Howdy, Tulks. I just wanted to jump in with this message before the episode gets started. The caveat, however, being that three-fourths of my mouth is currently numb because I just came from the dentist. Uh, it was not a fun time. Things are really crazy and intense and chaotic right now with coronavirus. I know it can be a really difficult situation. It can be very anxiety-inducing to be in a situation where so much is out of your control. And I just want to say that if you are someone who is struggling right I can't my mouth isn't forming words it, it this is impossible um <laughs> if you're some I'm slurring every word oh my god I'm just gonna forge on word which is what we have to do if you are someone who is really struggling right now I see you I hear you everything you're thinking and feeling right now is um I would say normal. This isn't a normal situation. It's all natural. It's natural to feel whatever you're thinking and feeling right now. And, you know, I'm here for you. May this hour-long podcast be an hour where you can be distracted from everything, where I can lift your spirits a bit, uh, where you can hopefully, you know, in the ideal situation, be entertained for an hour. And I hope that you also are taking advantage of all the other amazing shows on the WBNE network. That's another word. This I can't say that. W- Lips don't work. WBNE network shows are amazing. Go listen to all of them. Hello from elsewhere. Bagels. That that this is. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sincerely, us bacon and eggs. Following dreams and an upcoming unnamed D&D podcast that is actually named right now. I'm just not at liberty to reveal what that name is right now. But that's going to be fun times. It's all going to be fun times. We're here for you. It's going to be fine. It might be a while before it's fine, but we're here for you. In the meantime, let us provide some entertainment for you and lift your spirits and distract you for a bit. So with that rambling, slurry messiness being said, enjoy the episode. From WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 37, all about the Forbidden Pool. Chapter 6, Book 4 of The Two Towers, being the 37th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Isaac Carlson, aka Watso Videos, and also from the WBE Network, Following Dreams. Welcome, Isaac. Hello. I'm so glad that I'm able to be on this podcast today and be able to talk about some Lord of the Rings. Definitely a little bit out of my comfort zone as a fandom, but hey, <laughs> I enjoy Lord of the Rings. I was able to be exposed to it throughout high school, so I'm excited to be able to talk about it today. That's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely not exactly part of the Disney world, so it's definitely <laughs> not a part of your your fandom world. Although it would be mm-hmm. great. It does beg the question... I can't remember who owns Lord of the Rings, but like there truly should at least be a Lord of the Rings theme park by now. Like that would be a great theme park. I mean, they're they're owned by Warner Brothers, so it would make sense that they would be able to put it in some type of universal park or land or do something like that just like they did with harry potter it seems like a shame (laughs) oh that's right yeah i forget yeah i forget that harry potter is warner brothers Mm -hmm. does warner brothers like to even do anything now do they still have like popular successful movies because i'm trying to think of a movie that warner brothers has done recently well the other thing they own is dc comics oh okay so they do all of the dc movies too Okay. All right. Which yeah, do they're like they're like okay. the total like comparison to lots of what Disney owns. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Oh, I would. Re- I just really. I just really want a Mount Doom roller coaster. I want there to be a part of the park that is Mordor, but you can't simply walk into it. You have to like do something else. <laughs> Or like it detours you to a different way to get in or something. I don't know. but Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your experience with Lord of the Rings. You said you've, you were exposed to it in high school. What was the extent of that exposure? So when I was growing up, I remember occasionally having the Lord of the Rings 
on on TV if my dad was watching it or someone else was watching it. I knew that we owned all of the extended editions on DVD, but it was something where I just like hadn't really dived into it. I was much more focused on other Star Wars and things like that, especially because I wasn't really that into the fantasy genre. I didn't get into Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings like other people did, probably because I was mainly reading other things like Captain Underpants and <laughs> focusing on more of the, that type of reading experiences instead of like the Captain Underpants massive... podcast is is coming next after I'm done with Lord of the Rings. There you go. I mean, they got a whole TV show on Netflix right now. It you're it's kidding. Prime time to do. Yeah, they they made the movie oh, that I was produced idea. by DreamWorks. I had zero about, idea about this because Captain Underpants for me was the book that my mom didn't let me read growing up because she was <laughs> like, oh, that's like, that's gross potty humor. I don't want you exposed to that. Here, read a series of unfortunate events instead where children are constantly put through payroll and can't trust any adults in their life. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I mean, that's another one of those like long series of books. I remember people binge reading, but I was one who was not that into like hardcore reading at night. I was much more into watching shows, playing video games, doing things like that. So if I was going to sit down and read, I was all about the goofy humor, watching like kids break comics. And yeah, yeah. Ma- like do adventures with superheroes. I was more into that. So, um... I didn't really get into the Lord of the Rings, but I had friends that were really into it, especially with like the Shadows of Mordor, like the video games coming out about it. I was starting to get more exposed to it and I eventually watched all the movies and I really like I really grew an appreciation for it over time because one of the things that I found so difficult about it was all the dense lore that's kind of just like (laughs) packed onto you. I tried to read The Hobbit because I was like, oh, I'm going to read them in chronological order. But like The Hobbit is one of the slowest ones that I learned about afterward, even though it's one of the smallest. So that was that was probably not the best way to expose myself to the franchise through reading form either. So all of those things put together put me in a not ideal position to get it like fall in love with it. But being able to see it now, be especially being able to just like consume the movies and be able to have that full experience and being able to enjoy like more more adult shows like House of Cards, The Sopranos, Mad Men, things like that. Then I suddenly liked Lord of the Rings a lot more. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, so you did you didn't like go to the movie premieres with your friends or anything. You watched the movies later in life. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think those movies would have been appropriate for me when they came out. When did, do you know when The Return of the King came out? I or think like early 2000s. Yeah, it's early 2000s. Oh, 2001. And then yeah. I think Return of the yeah, King so, was by 2004. Mm-hmm, yep. December 17th, 2003. So I was five years old at that point. So I was I wasn't going to see Return <laughs> of the King in theaters just yet. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just always just growing up being like a weird range 90s 2000s kid i like forever associate lord of the rings was the thing that all the boys in my class were into (laughs) so maybe it was different at your school or i Mm -hmm. you said you were too cool for it yeah i was i was definitely not too cool for it i felt like i felt like on the outside of the fantasy realm everyone was reading series of unfortunate events harry potter lord of the rings and i was like guys guys Captain Underpants is where it's at. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I had the other group of friends that were like, Captain Underpants, let's draw comics in the back. And I'm like, all right, let's do that. So <laughs> I was, I always felt like I never knew what was going on. And I, I felt like I was on the outs with that. But I was, but I was also one who was just like, I couldn't get into it. The fantasy elements just didn't resonate with me as much as the sci-fi and the big <laughs> musicals of <laughs> Disney. Yeah, so. I def- definitely get it. It's not exactly an easy series to break into. And you were you were talking about how you started reading The Hobbit and how it was slow moving. Honestly, though, I don't think you would have been any better off if you had started with Fellowship of the Ring because that is also very slow going <laughs> at the start. It takes them like 150 pages before they're even out of the Shire. 
and they're just walking at that point. It takes them a long time before they meet anyone of interest. And it's just like mm-hmm. you and the hobbits for a, a long time. <laughs> and not much happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, for this chapter, so I sent you the audio file. What did you think of the audiobook? So that's something interesting about me is like typically what I found more recently is that I've really enjoyed more of nonfiction reading. Like if I'm going to read about something, I want to learn something. If it's like a skill or if it's about someone, like I've listened to the a bit of the Walt Disney autobiography. I want to listen to the Bob Iger one. So this was kind of a new experience where it was much more focused on like a cinematic story. And it was really cool to have like different voice actors for different parts and to be able to hear the themes of that were present in the movie also in the audiobook. It was really cool, especially since I, at first I didn't really recognize the scene, but as it went on, I was like, oh, I actually, I actually remember this part. So then it, <laughs> like everything really began to connect and it was a really cool experience. Cool. Cool. I was worried because the Gollum voice is very intense and it's not typically something that like you want to listen to when you're listening to an audiobook. So I was like, oh, no, he's going to he's going to hate me because I'm making him listen to this. <laughs> but the good news is, is that this chapter is also pretty short and also not that much happens in it, which Isaac has been a trend so far in the later half of Two Towers. It's a lot of mm. Sam and Frodo stumbling their way along and Gollum is also there. There's this brief break where they meet Faramir, who is amazing and 100% better than Boromir. And <laughs> and that's it's such a breath of fresh air and we kind of get that breath taken away by the this chapter because Gollum shows up again. Yeah, going into this chapter, this is chapter six, The Forbidden Pool. And it starts off very casually. The first sentence says, Frodo woke to find Faramir bending over him, which is extremely creepy. And they have only known <laughs> Faramir for like not even 24 hours. And then he does something like even creepier where he's like, let's go watch the moon set. And he takes Frodo with him <laughs> away while everyone else is sleeping. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. We trust that Faramir is a good guy, but like it doesn't exactly look great from from the outside where Faramir's like, hey, bud, let's go watch the moon set. <laughs> yeah, they're they're definitely getting into the weird like dramatic elements of the fantasy where you have to go and like think about things off on the cliff sides and doing things like that so yeah which definitely feels weird from our perspective <laughs> yeah looking at it yeah and also from sam's perspective so isaac for your context i am not a big fan of sam he is very annoying for me and i do not enjoy him mm. This is, I know, I understand this is a very unpopular opinion, but I don't care. It's my podcast. I can have an unpopular opinion if I want to. Um, <laughs> anyway, and also for your context, I've been really struggling with this part of Two Towers. It's not enjoyable for me at all because Frodo's not exactly my favorite. Gollum's definitely not my favorite. And I just want to mention Renee DeSoe in our Discord. She made a bingo card for this part of Two Towers hours for me to like cross off in each chapter and right away we have something where okay fine sam did good here because he follows frodo and faramir because he's like this seems suspicious i don't understand what's happening and i can't exactly blame him for that also as he's following them he stops and looks at the waterfall and it says the curtain was now become a dazzling veil of silk and pearls and silver thread melting icicles of moonlight and then that like beautiful sentence of imagery is immediately followed by it, but he did not pause to admire it, which makes me be like, obviously he stopped to look at it because we just had this sentence where it was like descriptive, detailed imagery of what it looks like, but whatever. <laughs> so he finds Faramir and Frodo and they're off on a cliff. They're like over on a cliff overlooking the so named Forbidden Pool. 
which in the previous chapter was described, there are two ways into this hideout. And one of them is through the secret way that they led the hobbits blindfolded into. And then the second Mm -hmm. way is he was like, there's only two ways out. And the other way is us throwing you off a cliff into a pit full of spikes, basically. And that's what this is. It's a pool that has a bunch of really sharp rocks. And it was a moment of like, is Faramir threatening them? Like, this is weird. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they come here and they're looking off at the moon, which is setting. Kind of Frodo, Sam, and myself all have the same thought of like, this is nice. But what exactly are we doing here? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> and Sam mumbles this under his breath and Faramir hears him uh, and says, well, I'll tell you what brought us here. Though as for you, Samwise, you were not brought. And I just like moments of Sam being called out on not being invited places, but going anyway. <laughs> He's got to protect Frodo. I Come know. On. I know. But like, <laughs> it gets old after a while. I mean, yeah, it can, it can seem a little possessive at times. Yeah. See, that's and, just, that's where that my builds. annoyance with him comes in. Yeah. Anyway, he's like, well, the reason we're here is, and then he points down into this pool and there's a little, there's a black shape near the bank. And whenever in the books they describe some dark being or a thing uh, like crouched over that looks like a creature or an animal, it's always Gollum. And I was like, ugh, Gollum. Why? We were having such a good time with Faramir and the Gondorians and real people as opposed to just the hobbits and Gollum. And so it says, presently Frodo was aware of a small dark thing on the near bank, but even as he looked at it, it dived and vanished just beyond the boil and bubble of the fall, cleaving the black water as neatly as an arrow or an edgewise stone. And that's Gollum. He's gross and nasty. (laughs) And Faramir asks, shall we shoot? To which I was like, yes, shoot him. And Sam also had the same thought. And I was like, I think that's the first time we've agreed on something, Sam and I. Wow. You're starting to bond. Yeah, I know. (laughs) There was a couple bonding moments for us in this chapter. And... There were a couple of moments where, like, I actually, I don't know if I laughed out loud, but I did the, like, exhale through nostrils kind of a laugh when you're reading a book or something. Yeah, like, like, like a... Huh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frodo speaks up and he says, no, no, I beg you not to. If Sam had dared, he would have said yes quicker and louder. Classic Sam. Because Sam hates Gollum. Mm. <laughs> He's like, I, you're trying to steal my best bro and I'm not here for it. Yeah, it's like we're we're not bringing on a third wheel. <laughs> Honestly, and the it's getting to a point where like Sam is the third wheel. I mean, yeah, Sam knows a little bit less about the the terrain and the the lore of the ring. Exactly. Than, yeah, so Gollum's Gaul, a little bit more helpful on the journey, at least in this point, knowledge wise. Yeah, exactly, and mm-hmm. and that's also what's like important for us to keep in mind as there's a lot of contemplation in this chapter of Faramir being like can we just kill him and the other men being like can we just kill him and Frodo is basically the only one saying no we can't kill him we have to keep him alive anyway so Faramir says oh you know what this thing is why is why is he here? Because he's not supposed to be here. As the chapter is called the Forbidden Pool, the place where they are is supposed to be so secretive and hidden that they the other men have orders to shoot anyone who like shows up ne- in the vicinity uninvited or just on their own or happens to stumble across it because they're so desperate to keep it keep this place hidden, keep it secret, keep it safe. Yeah, so he wants to kill Gollum. And he says, okay, you have to sell me on why we're not going to kill him. How did he get here, first of all? And Frodo says, for one thing, he knows little of men. And sly though he is, your refuge is so hidden that perhaps he does not know that men are concealed here. For another, I think he is a lord here by a mastering desire stronger than his caution. And at first... I was like, oh, he was, that makes sense. He was drawn here by the power of the ring. 
that makes sense because he's so attached to it that he would naturally follow where it was going, even if he wasn't aware of it. But what actually was mm-hmm. was guiding him is that he was super hungry and he was just looking for anywhere that would have a pond with fish in it, <laughs> which I relate to. Yeah. Letting your hunger guide yeah. you. <laughs> it seems like a less climactic solution to why he was there, but... It also makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, and Faramir does a little chuckle and he says, because they look down and they see Gollum uh, swimming around and grabbing fish. He says, it is a less perilous hunger because once again, they're all thinking that he's been like consumed by the ring and he's hungry for power, so to speak, which he is. But right now he's just super hungry and that's all he cares about, which like, I think they should, oh shoot, I was going to say they should just leave him there and then let him eat and then go away. But I forgot that we kind of need him to mm-hmm. to move forward with this journey. Yeah. <laughs> to continue on the quest, <laughs> we need the guy. <laughs> I forgot all about why he was here. Yes. And then Frodo pulls out the classic answer of, We can't kill him because Gandalf wouldn't want us to. And there's just nothing like a good old, like, this isn't what Gandalf would want kind of a guilt trip to to really drive a point home, you know? (laughs) Yeah. A wise old wizard would definitely not want this. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting that he, like, brings up that point repeatedly that Frodo looks up so much to Gandalf and that that's what kind of continues to steer him even though... He's not currently with them. Yeah. And it's also kind of slightly calling back to the very beginning in Fellowship when Gandalf is, he does this huge exposition dump on Frodo and gives him like the entire history of the ring. And he is talking about this fight between Smeagol or Gollum and Bilbo. And he mentions that Bilbo didn't kill Smeagol. And Frodo is like, I wish he had Smeagol's evil. He should have killed him. And Gandalf is very, very like Dumbledore. I mean, I know that Gandalf came first, but like it's a very Dumbledore answer of like, do not pity the dead, Harry, but above all, pity the living and those who live without love, I think is the rest of that quote. But a very moment of no, he showed mercy. And that's the greatest thing that you can ever do to to another soul is, is show mercy. And that's definitely something that Frodo has taken to heart with Gollum, despite the fact that I don't agree. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to see Frodo and Sam try and figure their way out, figure it out on their own, maybe without Gollum. They could do it. No, that's a lie. They couldn't. They need Gollum. (laughs) Yeah, they'd they'd just wander. They'd they'd just be found years later, like at the bottom of a pit somewhere or something like that. (laughs) Gollum's the kind of the key through the darkness to Mount Doom and everything. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like... Which is, you know, the double-edged sword of <laughs> having Gollum around, though, is that he's attracted to the ring. The whole split personality thing, that he desires the ring, but he also has the allegiance to Frodo, which is an interesting thing to continue to see develop over time. Yeah, and Frodo takes full advantage of that allegiance because he knows that he knows that Gollum will listen to him and only him, basically, at this point, because Frodo is the one who has the ring. And so he says, okay... Just hold your horses. I'm going to go down and talk to him and I'm going to get him to come up with us safely and please don't kill him. And he says like, he mentioned something like, if it looks like something is going wrong, feel free to shoot us both, but I'm sure it'll be fine. And so he takes with him one of the men who has been standing guard and he follows Frodo down to this pool and Gollum is there swimming around, getting fish. He mentions the white face has vanished, which is the moon. And now it's dark again and he can hunt in peace, I guess. And he's mad because the dirty hobbits, nasty hobbits, is what he calls them, left him. Because he wasn't around when Faramir and everyone showed up. And he just kind of fall, like skulked behind them, but he never officially heard anything about like oh they've agreed to go with them okay i'll go like i'll jump in on this action he thinks that they've like agreed to to move on without him but of course they can't frodo does some he like sneaks up and talks as gently as he can with Gollum, but he also has to be really 
kind of forceful and clear and direct that like, this is dangerous. You could get killed. You need to listen to me because if you don't, you will die. But he also doesn't want to make Mm -hmm. Gollum mad because Gollum is already kind of mad at him. And he says, you know, just come with me and I'll lead you to safety. He says, master can wait. Smeagol hasn't finished, which he's stopping to eat his food. He He's like, no, I'm having a meal. Let me eat in peace, <laughs> which I can relate mm-hmm. to again. <laughs> I'm like, I wouldn't like it if anyone interrupted my food either. You know? Yeah. You got like stood up on a date and then you're eating food another time. And they're like, come on, we got to leave. And he's like. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm finishing this meal. (laughs) I worked hard for this raw fish and I'm going to eat all of it. And Uh (laughs) oh, yeah. And Gollum asks where this is great. Uh, He asks where Sam is. He says, where is the other one? The cross rude hobbit. And I love that so much because (laughs) Sam has just it's so clear that like Sam hates Gollum and Gollum hates Sam. There's like no pretending. There's no like playing nice or anything. And that like that gave me a good like chuckle of the he he calls sam the cross rude hobbit <laughs> yeah i thought the same thing i was like wow Gollum's throwing punches just w- just waiting to see sam again i guess <laughs> i know burn burn <laughs> yeah because he doesn't care about sam at all because he knows that like sam sees right through him and is like i don't know about this one <laughs> and frodo's the one like mm-hmm. What do we have to lose? We're going to die anyway. And Sam's like, let's not die. Let's try not to do that. So as they're talking, the guards have been waiting impatiently. And then finally, they're like, enough of this. We're going to go in and take our own action. And this is where I got really excited and then immediately super sad and disappointed because it says, at that moment, the great black shape of Anborn loomed up behind him and came down on him. And for a split second, I thought it said Aragorn. And I thought Aragorn was making an appearance here. And I was so (laughs) excited and so thrilled that, like, finally he's come to save us. And then, oh, no, it says Anborn, not Aragorn. (laughs) So you're not a huge fan of this trio, but Aragorn, he's he's the stud of the story. Yeah. So, yeah, the first half of Two Towers is the greatest. It's a great story. Mm -hmm. It starts off with Merry and Pippin have been taken by the orcs. And so Legolas... Gimli and Aragorn go and try and follow them and then yeah they're on the chase yeah they follow so it follows like those three and then like Merry and Pippin meanwhile run into Treebeard and the Ents and that's a great story and then Legolas, Aragorn, and Gimli meet Gandalf who is now Gandalf the White and then they all they go to Rohirrim and they meet King Theoden and they go to a big battle and they team up again with mm-hmm. Merry and Pippin and there's Sar like it's a great story and and this is just like the same thing over and over again of Sam and Frodo like stumbling in the dark and not having a clear idea of what to do next and only being like their only plan is, well, I guess we'll listen to Gollum. <laughs> yeah, like they were given this huge responsibility, but they have no way of figuring anything out on their own. It's kind of wild that they're just they're figuring it out with Gollum. Like if Gollum wasn't around, <laughs> they would just be roaming aimlessly. And they were the the first chapter of this is them like trying to get off the side of a mountain and they can barely do that alone. And I was like, this is going to be a long rest of this book (laughs) if it takes them like (laughs) seven pages to get off the side of a mountain. And then Gollum shows up after that and takes him with them. It's still, it's still not, it's still not great. And at the end of this chapter, we'll talk a little bit more about my, my further disappointment of, of this part of the story. But yeah, so I thought Aragorn was going to show up and save everything. Alas, it was not Aragorn. It was Anborn, mm-hmm. the random guard. Congratulations. You played yourself. So they bind Gollum and... Frodo's like, this isn't going to go over well because Gollum is going to be angry. And they take him up and they put a like sack over his head. And Faramir asks, did you get him? And Frodo's like, I mean, kind of 
like he came over to me and then your guys ran in and tied him up and dragged him away. So I don't think this is going well. <laughs> that could have gone a lot smoother. And that's also a summary for for a lot of this book, honestly. Like, I feel like that could have gone smoother, but it is what it is. They bring Gollum over to Faramir and Faramir says... Do you realize why this is such a big deal? And Gollum was like, I only wanted fishes. What's wrong with that? I just wanted to hunt and eat food. What's wrong with that? And Faramir says, only to come here and look on the pool bears the penalty of death. So this is a very serious thing that Gollum has like stumbled his way through the woods and found this pool. It's extremely serious business and he's about to be killed. And... He asks him what his business is and what his name is and what he's doing. Gollum basically isn't helpful and just insists again that all he was doing was looking for fish (laughs) and was just hungry. Faramir lets Frodo untie him and Smeagol has to give his vow, promise, loyalty, pledge. I don't know. What's the right word? Something along those lines. He has to he has to like pledge his loyalty again to Frodo to show that he that he is trustworthy and that Frodo will be his master and Frodo is responsible for him. Faramir is like, swear that's the word I was looking for. He's like, swear to whatever deity or living creature you hold most dear. And of course for Gollum, that's the ring. So Gollum pledges again his loyalty to the ring, technically. And uh, says, save us, nice master. Smeagol promises to Precious, promises faithfully. Never come again, never speak. No, never. No, Precious, no. And Faramir says that, like, okay, Frodo, this is your responsibility now. <laughs> and it was interesting backing up when Frodo is trying to lure Gollum to him, that he was, like, trying to manipulate him with like threatening that he would tell Precious to that he would like hurt Gollum. Like there was the whole whole exchange about that too. So it's interesting that's kind of being like used against him in a way and that Gollum like, you know, it's the continuously seeing that Gollum's like true focus is the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frodo said, Precious will be angry. I shall take Precious and I shall say, make him swallow the bones and choke. Never taste fish again. Come, Precious is waiting. So he's totally using, he knows that like the ring is the only leverage he has against Gollum. And yeah, I think in that moment, Frodo was more lying than anything of being like, <laughs> Precious will be angry. It, it's like when you're a kid and your parents are like, Santa Claus is going to be angry at you. Except for Santa Claus is an evil yeah, like, ring. <laughs> yeah, because Gollum has this like weird, like unbreakable allegiance to the ring. But it also seems like he doesn't have a full understanding of how it works, even though he was in possession of it so long. Because he couldn't manipulate the ring or command it to do his bidding. But it's so it's interesting to see that he's just he's willing to take the master of the rings word at face value because he totally Gollum like at this point totally trusts uh Frodo almost like blindly because he knows that Frodo has the ring and if he wants the ring to be safe he has to like listen to Frodo and he has to trust Frodo and do what he says because if he doesn't then Frodo might destroy the ring and that would be it um and Frodo like definitely like takes advantage of that to to manipulate him because honestly like that's the only way to get Gollum to do anything is like through manipulation as bad as that sounds but like that's what it is and that's what you have to do with him because he is so ton has like tunnel vision for for one thing only and so to get like if you are the bad guy or the good guy it doesn't matter you have to trick him into thinking that it's all for the ring and if you don't, then he's not going to do what you want him to do. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, yeah. So Faramir says, I surrender you to your master, Frodo, son of Drogo. Which always makes me laugh when they give the the hobbits their like full fancy title because they are like not <laughs> fancy people at all. Because it's meant to be, I always think of like Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and his very like proper, cool, amazing 
title filled with like fate and glory and all this stuff. And this is like Frodo, Mm -hmm. son of Drogo. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) And so he makes him vow that he will go forth and not. He says that you can come. He says you can come back here if you want, but not for a long time. And it's only because we trust you. And I think he says that you can't. I don't know if that has anything to do with like you can't have Gollum with you if you come back here. They're they're trying to offer up this place as like a place of uh like like sanctuary. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. Um, but to give them an opportunity to turn around because Faramir is very dead set on like this is a bad idea. It's a bad idea, me and you. Don't do this. You're gonna yeah, die. <laughs> Uh, and Frodo just continues to argue with him. He's like, no, no, no. This is like the only option. And Faramir's like, yeah, but like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Have you like really thought about it? <laughs> but Frodo agree. Oh, this was the line that I really loved. <laughs> so he says, I do take Smeagol under my protection, said Frodo. Sam sighed audibly. <laughs> and I love that so much. It's Sam being, he's not even pretending to be okay with, with Gollum anymore he's so over it <laughs> and then it also makes a note after that that his sigh had nothing to do because they're like bowing and doing lots of like official things of um like courtesy and respect and, and stuff like that and it makes a note that like he wasn't sighing to be disrespectful at the many shows of respect but rather obviously at Gollum who he hates <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're going through like very formal negotiations <laughs> about how to handle, handle the Gollum. Yeah, of Gollum. Mm-hmm. It's a very tricky situation because they like one wrong move or like one word misspoken, and it could be like done for them. <laughs> and you know, Gollum mm-hmm. goes off and does his own thing. Like they have to be like very clear and direct, so there aren't any loopholes for either like golem to take advantage of or for like something bad to happen in the future and them to be like well you never said we couldn't do this or you know something like that it's a very tricky situation to say the least Mm -hmm. of dealing with golem then the conversation moves to okay so if you're insisting on going to mordor which by the way is an awful idea how are you gonna get there and frodo this is when frodo brings up that well golem has a plan for us to go through a tunnel or at least he thinks there's a tunnel we're not sure and Faramir's like uh-huh sure uh what's the name of this by the way and he said and Gollum says it is called Sirith Ungol Un- the Sirith Ungol and we learned later that this is not a good name if I didn't want to get spoiled on anything I would like look up the origins of like what does Sirith mean? What does Ungol mean? The Those kinds of things. But I'm sure it means like dangerous pass or something like that. And yeah, later Faramir, he says, if Sirith if Sirith Ungol is named, old men and masters of lore will blanch and fall silent. So just by the name of it, Faramir knows that this is not a safe way to travel and it's not a good way to go. Oh, and he said, yeah, Frodo, I do think you do very unwisely in this. <laughs> Is what he says. <laughs> and let me just check the the bingo board because, yep, we hit the square that says don't do it, which is <laughs> just too accurate. Yeah, don't do it is, is Faramir's advice. Frodo's like, well, you've bound me now to Gollum. I can't just let Gollum go and do his own thing. And Faramir, they're in this tricky situation where they don't want to let Gollum go off and do his own thing but they also don't want to kill him so the only option is for him to be with Frodo Frodo's like I've vowed to protect him and lead him and now you want me to break that off and not do that and Faramir is like I mean true it is a lot easier to tell someone else to to break their vow than it is for it's the kind of thing where like (laughs) If your friend is asking you for advice, it's a lot more fun to give other people advice that you yourself wouldn't take because sometimes you're sometimes you're like, I just want to see this play out. But Faramir has a much more noble reason. He says uh, 
he sees that Frodo is bound unwitting to his own harm. So he's trying to advise him to be like, this is how you should do it. But then again, I also might not follow that own advice if it were me. So you're right, bro. Yeah, it's like it's like it's clear it's a toxic relationship. He's truly evil, but you also seem like totally okay with it and you've got this weird connection that you've like built up with him that he's bound you're bound together now so while the easiest path would be to break up (laughs) and just get rid of each other and he even mentions that he's like i will bring him anywhere (laughs) away from yeah he's like we'll take him like to the edges of like gondor or like we'll take him somewhere far away from here and just like drop him off and let him go Kind of like, I don't know if you capture an animal in the wild and you like rehabilitate it and then you go release it back into the wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's still like, no, no, he just followed me. So we, we better just keep him close anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the only, it's the only possible solution they have at this point. Then Faramir says that he and his men have never been to, he says, the mountains of shadow, which are the mountains that border Mordor. And says that his men have never gone there. It's really dangerous land. They even the yeah, he says like even old men and masters of lore will blanch and fall silent at the name of Sirith Ungol. So like even people who have been around for a long time, they've seen a lot of a lot of stuff. Even they are worried just by the name of it. And just like tries emphasizing and hitting the point home that like this play and he goes into a bit of the backstory kind of like a in case you forgot type of a thing which most of the time I have forgotten so (laughs) that's helpful because there's so (laughs) much there's like so much random backstory and history along the way it's hard to know what is it's hard to know in the moment of like okay is this something like I actually need to know for the story or is this just like Tolkien going really in depth into world building again. Yeah, having that distinction is not always extremely clear, but but it like it's like this is a snake bit for the people that are going to memorize everything about this. Yeah. <laughs> like the the name of the guard who grabbed Gollum. It's like, yeah, you probably don't need to know that for the rest of the book. <laughs> I would assume not. Yeah. Yeah, so he goes briefly, gives like a brief history lesson, because it wouldn't be a chapter of Lord of the Rings without a brief history lesson of this part of the land of Minas Ithil. It was taken over by evil people and Sauron, and Sauron gave nine of those people rings, and the rings corrupted them, and those nine people turned into ring wraiths, and now they run amok and do his evil bidding. And it uses the phrase... That in this land, there are people watching full of lidless eyes. And I hate that so much because, (laughs) I mean, like, just imagine it. Like, there's a guard standing and he has someone who's, like, cut off his eyelids. That's just, oh, it's so creepy and gross. And, like, I don't know if he actually meant literally lidless eyes. Like, I understand the the metaphor is, like, they're always watching. But it's so creepy. (laughs) <laughs> you're not into that imagery <laughs> no are you kidding me nope <laughs> i'm like mm, thank you hard pass flip to the next page <laughs> but it's i really love um tolkien does this like really well every now and then where he will that's just sounded like so conceited of me <laughs> like every now and then tolkien's a good writer <laughs> but uh what i meant is every now and then tolkien will use Like, really simple, small phrases that are so good. In the previous chapter, he described Galadriel as perilously fair. And I love that phrase so much because it says so much with just two words that, like, yes, she's beautiful and magnificent and wonderful, but perilously so. She's also very dangerous and could kill all of us. Let's, like, Mm -hmm. not underestimate her, to say the least. So that small phrase, full of lidless eyes, is, like, simple, and yet it really drives the point home that this is a a dark place and it's not good. (laughs) And then Faramir, like, ends this little... It's like the opposite of a pep talk. I don't know what the opposite of a pep (laughs) talk would be, but, like... It's like a demotivation, demotivational speaker. Yeah, a, a big warning sign. Like this is a horrible idea. Yeah, like it's like that. It's like this is a pyramid scheme talk. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah. 
Uh, so he ends up and he says, I do not think that Mithrandir would have chosen this way. And Mithrandir is, because Gandalf is like super extra, he has names and every, he has different names in every corner of, of Middle Earth. The elves call him Mithrandir. And Faramir, despite not being an elf, also calls him Mithrandir because he is a very fancy boy and likes to impress people. Yeah, so he said, I do not think that Mithrandir would have chosen that way. And it's like, well, Gandalf isn't here. So we're just going to try the best we can, regardless of the situation. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and then his last his last piece of advice basically is, beware of this guide, Smeagol. He has done murder before now. I read it in him. And it's like, yep, yep, basically. Uh-huh. I'm sure we're going to be coming back to those words and and like two chapters when Smeagol is like, mm-hmm. I don't know, Frodo wakes up and Smeagol's like standing over him with a knife or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Smeagol is definitely getting alluded to that he's like, that the darkness in him is going to boil over at some point moving forward. Yeah. And that it'll probably continue to get worse as they get close to the dark places that they're venturing to. Yeah, 100%. And it's also like... It's going to happen at the absolute worst time, you know? It's always like Mm -hmm. in a horror movie or zombie movie when there's like a pregnant woman, she's always going to go into labor, like right when the zombie horde is crowding the the building or something, you know? And it's like, oh, geez, how could this situation get any worse? And then like you hear in the background like, oh, my God, my water broke. (laughs) Like that's what's going to happen with Gollum where he's going to turn... I mean, he already is dark, but he's going to turn darker right at, like, the worst possible time. And then this is when we're going to mark off another part, another square on the on the bingo card, which is this I did not expect. And that is because Faramir says that they are going to... He basically, like, closes up their conversation as, like, we will say farewell very soon. And uh, you guys can leave and do your own thing and we'll leave and do our own thing. And I was like, wait, what do you mean you're not going with them? (laughs) I 100% thought that like Faramir was, he was like, he was in it now. He was going to go with them and go to Mordor and he was going to be part of their team or at least Frodo, they were going to join his team or they were all going to go to Mordor together. I was, uh, and I'm I'm very sad to learn that Faramir is not going to go with them. And it's just going to go back to Frodo, Sam, and Gollum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting that he, like, he knows full well that Boromir had given his life in an attempt to keep the ring safe. But then hearing that, he's like, yeah, but my big brother is like, that's, that's his duty. Like, I got to go do my own thing now. Like, I got to go fulfill my own destiny but it's like all the pieces are here for you to like be a hero man you got like why is this not an important thing like this is the this is the entire world and you're just gonna let the the, the halflings go with with Gollum. i know that's the right? big plan <laughs> i mean but honestly it as much as like i hate to admit it it is the responsible decision because faramir is also the leader of this like entire army and he has lots of people looking to him for direction. He's yeah. not in a position where he can just be like, okay, I'm going to go off on this like side quest now. Y'all have fun with the main battle <laughs> somewhere else. If he uh-huh. had, if he had like, I don't know, like a second lieutenant or something, maybe that person could go with him. But like Faramir is very important for the Gondor, the Gondorians. I always feel like that's not a, that's not a right, the right word, but. It is uh, for the men of Gondor. He's he's very important. They need him for direction. And he can't just like mm-hmm. go off on this extremely dangerous journey to Mordor. That's the other thing is he was throughout this whole time. He's like, I mean, that's a bad idea. You can do what you want, but I'm definitely not going with you because it's dangerous <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and like that's how this chapter ends. And I feel like I rushed through that chapter of, like, talking about it or describing it. But, like, literally, that's all that happens. <laughs> Not much happens in that chapter. At least I don't think so. Is yeah. there... Yeah. So, Well, that being said, is there any... Are there any, like, random thoughts or anything that you wanted to share that we skipped over or anything? The only thing I would say is that they... Didn't they also talk about... Oh, that they would one day go and, like 
talked to each other when they were old about where Gollum got the ring from and that they would eventually learn that entire story at some point. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, So, like, Faramir (laughs) hopes to see him again someday. Yeah, it's a very cute thing that, like, a lot of these characters will say every now and then is, like, maybe one day we'll be able to sit and tell these stories and we'll be able to enjoy them fully rather than, like, having to rush through them and everything. But, yeah, so when Gollum shows up and swears by the ring and everything, it's revealed that he used to have the ring and, like, be the bearer of the ring. is like, you mean to tell me that creepy, like, disgusting thing got one of the most powerful things in this land? Like, that, like that's a story for another time. Like, we don't have time, we don't have time <laughs> to unpack all of that. We don't have time to unpack all of that. We will come back to that (laughs) at a later date when Mm -hmm. we're not, you know, about to die and Sauron isn't breathing down our necks. Yeah. And I also feel like that continues to happen with the heroes that come into contact with Frodo is that it often feels like they completely underestimate him and don't respect him. But by the end of him telling what he's done and describing what he plans to do they always come around and they be they're able to continue to learn that they can respect him as a hero as well yeah that happens it's really funny because like when they come across and it's not just Frodo, it's the like other characters as well when they come across new characters or when they're reunited they like and it's a very natural thing like when you bump into a person you haven't seen seen in a long time you don't automatically go into like storytelling mode and go chronologically through like everything that's happened since the last time you saw them and they'll like Mm-hmm. Briefly mention things like, you know, we have this int who's helping us. He's a really nice guy. You'll meet him later. And they're like, sorry, what now about ints? I thought ints weren't a thing anymore. And that happens mm-hmm. with Frodo and Sam in the previous chapter where, like, they mention things about, like, yeah, we have these, we have these. Oh, it's because Boromir's body floats up to Gondor and... Faramir sees him and he has this really nice gold belt and Frodo's like oh yeah the elves gave that to us when we were in Lothlorien and Faramir's like what now (laughs) you were (laughs) what do you mean Lothlorien (laughs) and they're like oh well you see after Gandalf died when we were in Moria we had to run away and seek refuge somewhere and they're like what do you mean Gandalf died in Moria and it's like let's let's back up here (laughs) what's happened why are you doing this it's like absolutely insane. You guys are glossing over some big history. <laughs> yeah. It's like these are the talking points. <laughs> and you're more focused on like, yeah, but like where's that gross In the previous chapter they described Gollum, one of the guards is like, I thought I saw something, but I think it was a large black squirrel with no tail. <laughs> is how they describe it. And like that's the pressing issue that they decide to focus on. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It is a great imagery of them all like gathering up again after all this is over years from now being like, did I ever tell you about the time that we ran from a Balrog in Moria and we had zero idea what was happening and then Gandalf died, except for he didn't really die. Crazy times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Brodo's adventures just keep getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah. His biggest adventure is yet to come because we're let's see so i was i was like sending the schedule of like chapters and the dates that some of these chapters are coming out to people who uh are hopefully going to guest at some point in the future and i was like oh yeah chat like two towers chapter 11 will come out then he you know on this date and chapter 12 will come out on this date but two towers actually book what is this book five actually only has 10 chapters. So we're getting, and then I've been told by wonderful friend and fellow podcaster on the WB&E network, Casey Winters, that chapters nine and 10 in this part of the book is like really when dramatic things start happening. So it's going to start gearing up soon and it's all just a bunch of setup for Return of the King, which I'm really excited for at this point. And desperate to get to so (laughs) yeah i can't imagine going through 
this long, long story at like a weekly pace of building up. Like, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be super cool for you to have the cathartic ending experience after talking about it for so many months. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of funny. So uh, I shared, I think it was on like various social media platforms for Tolkien about that I'm really struggling with Two Towers. It's rough. I was joking like, guys, does this ever get good again? And unfortunately, like in the most unhelpful way possible, a lot of people replied or responded to that being like, yeah, it's really rough. Sorry. Or like, oh, yeah, I skipped a lot of the Frodo and Sam stuff. It wasn't that great, but like it really gets good in Return of the King. And I'm like, well, that's not helpful because I can't skip the Sam and Frodo stuff. I have to read it. (laughs) I should say Mm -hmm. I get to read it. I love having a podcast. It's very fun. But right now it's not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this isn't the prime ideal experience. Exactly. You're going to have in this in this experience that you're going through. Yeah, we've kind of like plateaued out and then we'll we'll get real excited. Probably the last two chapters of this book will be great. And then Return of the King will all be amazing. And then I get to watch the movies. I'm really excited for the movies. Are there are those going to be their own episodes? Are you going to dedicate episodes to each of the movies? Man, I I don't even know how I'm going to cover the movies because like Surely there is way more for me to talk about for each of the movies, especially if I'm doing like the extended edition, then we'll allow for, you know, a one hour, roughly one hour episode of the podcast. So I'm sure each Mm -hmm. movie will be broken up into like several parts of of a podcast episode. I haven't decided like I, I I haven't decided if I'll like have the same guest on and we'll just record for like four hours and I'll split those up into four episodes or if I'll have like four different guests and we each and they each come on to talk about a different part of the movie. I don't know. It's yeah. it's kind of hard because these movies are like they have a very like strong. It's like for me, it's like the opposite of. Of the Harry Potter series, where when you're reading the books, it's like, oh, yeah, the books are great. The movies are okay. They're not the greatest. But it's like almost the opposite, I feel, from what I've heard for the Lord of the Rings fandom, that like the movies are amazing and everyone loves the movies. And I'm nervous. I don't know how to cover them. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like taking one of the most legendary fantasy stories of all time and then turning it into like one of the largest franchises that was like it was kind of an unprecedented franchise that was built with the final being like one of the top grossing movies of the year i think the top grossing movie of the year along with also winning best picture so (laughs) return of the king is like is like culmination of so so many years of like fandom build up yeah and so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what you'll do, but I know you, you could go by hour <laughs> Who knows? or event. I don't. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, that's not. Uh, there are podcasts. There are podcasts out there. Um, uh, I had uh, Cassandra and Norman on, who are the hosts of Lord of the Rings Minute, and they their podcast covers the Lord of the Rings movies one minute at a time. So I don't think I'll do anything that extensive, but <laughs> Ooh. I know. Yeah, yeah that's. <laughs> That's a grind. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll be interested to like see what I come up with. I'm sure I'll do lots of brainstorming with Tyler and Ethan and everyone else in our lovely WBE creators chat being like, <laughs> I'll be like five chapters away from finishing Return of the King. Like, okay, how do I do this? <laughs> Someone help. <laughs> what do I do? Mm-hmm. But also, so that reminds me, this is like a random tangent but I just want to recommend to everyone listening, go watch The Witcher on Netflix. Toss a coin to your Witcher, oh valley of plenty. So I've had like, I think because the book is kind of slow moving now and, but I'm, I'm far enough into it that I'm like invested in the story and I'm invested in characters and stuff. I have like an innate primal urge to watch the movies and I can't do that yet. I can't do that for, I don't know, probably another couple months. 
I'm trying to think of like when I would start the movies, maybe like August or September. And I started watching The Witcher last week and I finished watching The Witcher last week as well. And it like satisfied Mm -hmm. that urge in me to watch Lord of the Rings because it has a lot of the same fantasy elements. It's definitely a lot more R-rated, I shall say. There's lots of nudity. (laughs) There's lots of gore. Like Mm -hmm. in the first episode, there are like multiple like decapitations (laughs) just straight up. But it has, like, really cool characters and really cool, like, world build- world building and, like, fantasy land set up and, and stuff. So if if you like the Lord of the Rings movies, go watch The Witcher. I know, a, I know a previous guest recommended that before, so I'm seconding that recommendation. It's it's very good. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of good things about that. It's really big on Netflix right now. It's, like, kind of like Netflix's Game of Thrones. Witcher is also based off of books, but I was only aware of it because of like the video games that have also been acclaimed. So it's kind of a juggernaut of a fantasy franchise in and of itself. Yeah, I'm excited to read the books. And like a part of me wants to be like, oh, I'll save those. And that's what I'll cover after Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that to myself. I just want to like be able to sit down and read a book at a normal pace (laughs) rather than and at an agonizingly slow pace and have to, you know, talk about each chapter for an hour. Not that this also isn't enjoyable, but it's an enjoy it's enjoyable in a different way. It's like in depth like you like no high school English class ever went in depth into a book. Yeah, cuz you don't you'd always have to do at least like two or three chapters in a single class period discussion. Yeah. You couldn't couldn't just do one chapter. <laughs> I think my junior year in college, I signed up for a couple for like some literary classes and they were like some of my, I think they were the first like English classes that I had taken because I wasn't an English major and I showed up and on the first day of class, he hands out the syllabus and it was in like both of these classes too. And on the syllabus, it'll be like, okay, by our next class on Thursday, you need to have finished this book. And I was like, uh, Mm. what now? And I raised my hand and I was like, um, so when you say that we're going to be discussing the book on Thursday, do you mean like a certain range of chapters? And he was like, oh no, we'll, we'll start, we'll go into talking about the overarching themes. And, and I was like, okay, (laughs) sure. Let me just casually read 200 pages in addition to my other class who also just assigned me a hundred pages. Like, this is fine. Oof. Man, I tried to avoid that type of work like the plague. That just rips all enjoyment for me out of reading completely. Of being ha- having to read at such a fast pace and be able to do it. That's pushed me away from reading for a, a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I think, needless to say, I relied on the spark notes for those books uh i did a lot of skimming and was like okay these are the characters names great and then like i read the spark notes basically after that yep (laughs) well that brings us to the end of this episode isaac what would you like to share with our audience where can people find you on the internet so the best place to find me is over on youtube twitter instagram at Watso Videos, I talk about the the lore and the magic and the stories and characters of Disney. And if you'd like to listen to my podcast where I talk to amazing, fun people about how they're pursuing their passions and achieving their dreams, uh, I talk to and interview animators and directors of Disney films and content creators that are um, spreading magic and talking about the things that they really care about. So if you'd like to experience any of that definitely go check out all those places yes and listeners of course you already know where you can find following dreams because it is a part of the wbne network so i just recommended the witcher do you have a recommendation to the listeners it could be fantasy related it doesn't necessarily have to be fantasy related something that like you enjoy whether it's a book a tv show or or movie something like that that you think they would also enjoy if you're super into disney properties similarly to me and you're interested in exploring 
deep lore into a specific Disney franchise, I would highly recommend going and checking out Tangled the Series on Disney+. Plus. It's fantastic. <laughs> all the original voice actors, all the original song creators all came back to make it. It's, an, it's a very adult. It's a very amazing next step and next chapter for the characters. I highly recommend it. I, I can't sing the praises of Tangled the Series enough. So that's what I would say. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like I see, I feel like I see at least one tweet a day from you having to do with the uh, Rapunzel, the Tangled series. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big stan of that franchise. It, it hasn't gotten a ton of love. So I, and I care about it a lot. So I, I spread as much as I can. <laughs> that's great. That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WB&E. You can learn more about the network by going to WB&E.org. And might I suggest listening to Hello from Elsewhere. I was actually just on for a interview episode to talk about my favorite piece of fiction, which is Parks and Rec. Um, hopefully that episode is coming out soon. But if it's not, here's more about Hello from Elsewhere now. Hi, I'm Valerie. And I'm Casey. And we're a married couple who loves to travel through fictional worlds. On our podcast, Hello from Elsewhere, we dive deep into the themes and characters of movies and books, all through a positive lens. We explore all your biggest questions, like what is Steven Spielberg's obsession with father figures? What is the history of fictional maps? And why are animated foxes so attractive? Oh, Robin Hood. From Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Jane Austen. To Star Wars, Marvel, and classic Hollywood. If it's pop culture, we're interested in exploring the meaning behind it. With new episodes every other Friday, come visit us in Elsewhere. The cover art is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can find me on Twitter at mcwhatsup and Instagram mcturnedownforwhat. You should also join the Facebook group because it's fun times in there. The sponsor of this week's episode is Sydney King. Thank you so much, Sydney, for supporting the podcast. I appreciate it so much. If you would like to be a sponsor of an episode, go to patreon.com slash Pod. So this week's discussion question, uh, listeners, have you ever... So <laughs> like I've mentioned many times before, I'm struggling with two towers. So have you ever struggled through a book, a TV series, something, something along that lines that... People have told you it's really good. Like you just have to get through this one rough part. If so, what was that? And did you make it through it? Did you finish that book? Did you finish that TV series? Was it worth it? So tell me about that experience on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're at, or also in our Discord channel, which is a fun place to be. And then last week's, or not last week's, but a couple weeks ago, the question was, what would be the first real meal that you would want to eat after you've been traveling for a long time? I think I was a bad podcast host and I only posted this question on Facebook. So that's just incentive to join the Facebook group. (laughs) Um, So Christina Khan said pizza, which same. I love pizza. It's great. (laughs) Allie Heron said Chinese food. And Myra Perez says Giochia's Verdes. Sorry for my atrocious, like, white English. (laughs) And I love all three of those foods because you guys are, like, hitting all of the the realms of the of the earth someone else said italian food people were hitting like all the different genres of food i myself would choose tacos so i don't know about you isaac yeah i i I love mexican food i love asian food i love american food there's really not any specific sector that i would not choose but if i was gonna probably choose i'd probably choose a cheeseburger a cheeseburger that's good that's good Yeah, so listeners, share your answer with me for this week's discussion question, and I might share it on an episode in the future. All that being said, Isaac, do you have any final parting words for the audience? I I hope they enjoyed having me here to be a guest. Thanks for listening, everyone, and I hope you have a magical day. And that's what I'm talking about. Mm